Welcome to Main Menu for February 4th, 2011. I'm Jamie Pauls. This week, two weeks worth of tech updates from Chase Crispin, a look at Sarah, Freedom Scientific's scan and read appliance, courtesy of Mary Emerson, and finally, an interview with Tony Shank, president of Enabling Technologies, about the Phoenix, the world's first multifunction braille embosser, courtesy of Blind Bargains from this year's 2011 ATIA conference. That's all coming up on this edition of Main Menu. Tech Update, a technology news segment heard on ACB Radio's Main Menu and Accessible World's Tech Talk. Hello, Main Menu and Tech Talk. This is Chase Crispin with the Tech Update for the week of January 26, 2011. ATIA 2011 is going on. It's just starting now. This is being recorded on Wednesday night, the 26th of January. There's going to be a lot of stuff that all of you are going to know about that will be known about by the time this airs that I'm not knowing about now, but I'm knowing what we know pre-ATIA. Next week, I'll talk about what was all released and found out about at ATIA. It's a reminder that if you're a Twitter user, you can tweet to the conference using the number sign ATIA 2011. Now for the technology news of the week. There is a new update for version 9 of the Humanware Braille Note and Voice Note Apex that we are expecting to hear more about at ATIA. We know it's coming, but we don't know that many details quite yet, so we're hoping to hear more about this Braille Note Apex upgrade at ATIA. I will cover more on the Braille Note upgrade next week. This upgrade is not yet released and is expected not to be released until about February. Jamal Majrui has updated all of his accessible programs to a newer version. There are not too many major updates to the programs. One thing is they all work with NVDA now and a few other minor enhancements. However, if you have all the programs, it's worth updating. And if you don't, it's worth, it's worth checking them out. He has quite a view on his website. But some of the most exciting ones are EdSharp, which is a very accessible text editor, and PDF2TXT, that's PDF, and then the number 2TXT, is one that can either perform OCR or turn a PDF file into a .txt text file. You can get both of these from empowermentzone.com. That's E-M-P-O-W-E-R-M-E-N-T-Z-O-N-E dot C-O-M. If you are a Windowwise user and you like to use the hotkeys for changing speech settings on the fly, and those are not working on your system, there is now a new script available from GW Micro to fix this, so that these commands will work on all systems, so that you can push a command and adjust your speech settings. So if you are having trouble adjusting speech settings on the fly on your machine, you can visit gwmicro.com sc for script central to get this new script to fix this problem. If you are a GoldWave user and a JAWS user and you use the GoldWave scripts with JAWS, those scripts have now been updated to the latest version, which is version 5.5. You can learn more or download these new scripts by visiting the scripts page on blind-geek-zone.net. The SmartView 360 is a new desktop video magnifier from Humanware with some 
very exciting features that a lot of you low vision users will be interested in. This is an item that I mentioned on Tech Update back in October, one of the last Tech Updates in October, I believe it was. And you can refer back to that Tech Update. And I said that I would say something on Tech Update when this magnifier was released. It has now been released from Humanware with all the features I had previously mentioned. So you might want to check out humanware.com, H-U-M-A-N-W-A-R-E dot C-O-M to learn about the new, to learn about the new SmartView 360. If you are interested in purchasing a Bookport Plus, the Bookport Plus as of January 1st, 2011, is no longer being offered for the introductory price of $299. You can now purchase the Bookport Plus for the full market price of $329, so this went up $30 from the introductory price. If you have a Bookport Plus on back order that has already been ordered but not shipped, you will still be only charged for the original $299 price, which is what you bought it for when you are charged when the Bookport Plus ships. If you'd like to learn more about purchasing the Bookport Plus for this full price, visit shop.aph.org shop.aph.org or to learn more about the Bookport Plus, visit aph.org slash tech. If you are interested in voting for the most popular or influential person, Twitter account, blog, podcast, radio show, website, game, screen reader, software, or hardware that was released, updated, or known about during 2010, you can now vote for the finalists in the 2010 Blind Bargains Access Awards. I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, but that was when you were casting your vote to pick the finalists. Now you can go back and pick for the top ones that people have nominated in each category, and this will determine the winners. This runs from January 23rd to February 13th, 2011. If you'd like to vote, visit blindbargains.com. Bookshare.org is now launching a developer portal for manufacturers of devices that wish to integrate a Bookshare.org search API or application programming interface into their devices, such as that found in the icon in Braille Plus Internet Book Search application. This will allow you to have a dedicated program to search Bookshare.org and download the books. This is the Bookshare portal for development and many more manufacturers of devices will be able to program their own Bookshare application for searching and downloading of Bookshare books. This is an ATIA news release, and if you'd like to learn more, if you're at ATIA, stop by the ATIA Bookshare.org booth, or you can visit Bookshare.org. Another announcement from Bookshare and ATIA 2011 is that Benedict has announced a new read-to-go book reader for the iPhone, iPod Touch, and iPad. This will sell for $19.99. We'll use the acapella text-to-speech, human-sounding voices, and have many different options for customizing the way that your book looks if you are a low-vision person. This will read Bookshare.org books as well as any other Daisy 2 or Daisy 3 books. You can visit benedict.org to learn more about this new Daisy to Go app for iPhone, iPod Touch, and iPad. The acapella voices are also going to now be used in humanware products. In particular, the Victor Reader Stream and Trekker Breeze were mentioned. There was no mention of the Braille Note. This means that the acapella human sounding voices 
will be found in human wear products, again, in particular, the Victor Reader Stream and the Trekker Breeze. If you'd like to learn more, you can visit humanware.com. Again, no mention was made about the speech in the Braille note. There's a few more items that we only have briefly heard about that I'm going to wait to fit into next week's tech update when we'll have more information from people having hands-on experience in the ATIA exhibit hall, as well as many blog posts and coverage. So I will report more on some items that we only have sketchy details on in the next tech update. With that, this will conclude the tech update for the week of January 26, 2011. I'm Chase Crispin. Thank you for listening to this week's tech update. If you have any comments or anything you would like to see added to next week's tech update, please call the tech update comment line at 206-337-4383 and be sure to listen to next week's main menu and tech talk. Hi everyone, this is Mary Emerson and I'm going to talk to you today about the Sarah from Freedom Scientific. This is a scanning and reading appliance and it's the camera edition. I have had this for I would guess a little over a week and have been using it. Today I scanned three books and saved all of them to a thumb drive so that I can move them to the PC or to my PacMate or Victor Stream, whatever I want to do. And why did I get a Sarah? Since it is described as a device for people who don't want to use a PC. I got it because there are times when I am using my PC for other things or I don't happen to have it turned on and I would still like to scan something. And I do have OpenBook 9 and I have a scanner, which isn't the fastest, but it does a pretty good job. It'll scan in about 10 seconds, and that's good enough for me. However, there are times when you just don't want to use something like that. And I decided this would be absolutely a terrific thing to have, because there are some things that I get that are a little challenging to read with the Opticon, valuable as that device has been for decades. So I decided that when this camera version of the Sarah came out, I would get it, and I'm glad that I did. It will scan in about five seconds, and it will do a fairly accurate job of scanning. There are some types of pages that it isn't quite as accurate with, but that's true with a lot of things and scanners these days. So I have, as I said, scanned three books today, and they all averaged, I guess, about 150 to 175 pages each. And I did them in a couple of hours, so I think there's certainly something to be said for this device. Well, what is it? It is a device that looks like it's in a PC case, and it looks like it has a motherboard, because if you look at the back of it, it has ports for a mouse and a PS2 keyboard. It has a couple of jacks for microphone, for speakers, It even has a place for an internet connection, although that is not possible. That might be something for the future. I don't know. But it also has four USB ports, which are quite handy. The camera requires one of them, and if you're going to keep the USB cable attached, it requires a second one, and that still leaves two of them. 
The top surface actually has two levels. The lower level is closest to you and it has buttons. And the top surface is a 9 by 12 inch surface where you place your document, your piece of paper, your book, whatever you're scanning. And then the front edge closest to you has buttons. So you have two surfaces that have buttons. You have the lower part of the top surface and you have the edge on the front that is closest to you. When you turn the scanner on, it takes about two minutes to boot up. And I didn't know that when I read the user's guide. It didn't say that. So I was a little bit nervous when I turned it on. And I'm going to show you some of what it sounds like. There are repeated beeps throughout the booting and shutdown process. And what I'm going to do is let the beeps repeat a couple of times so that you'll get the idea of what's going on. And then we'll move on to the next sound in the boot up process or the shutdown process. But we're starting out with the boot up process first. Okay, now I'm going to show you the shutdown process, and I'm going to use the same method. Press the power button again to power down the SARA unit. Press any other key to cancel. Cancel button. I'm not sure of the exact amount of time it takes to shut down. It probably takes somewhere between 45 seconds and maybe even a minute or a minute and 15 seconds. It's not as long as the startup process, but it does take a bit longer than you would expect. Let's go to the device itself, and I will show you what the buttons are. I'm not going to press any of them right now because I have a document that I need to save. And when I go through the menu... I will show you the process for doing that. On the top surface, lower level of the device, from left to right we have an oval button with a hollow circle on it. That is the scan button. And immediately below that, as if it were part of a column, we have a read button where it will read out loud to you. And this is another oval button. It has a right arrow, and to the right of that right arrow are two vertical lines. And this is a toggle. If it's reading and you don't want it to read while you're scanning, just push the read button and it will stop reading. Next to this column of two, we have a double left arrow, and if you push that, it will read back one paragraph. To the right of that is a left arrow, and you push that, it'll read back one word. It's a little bit like a rewind button on a CD player. And then we have another column to the right of that, three buttons. The top one closest to the scanning surface is up arrow. Below that is a circle that's filled in, and that is like the enter key. They call it the selector button. 
and below that is the down arrow. Next to this column, to the right of it, is the right arrow, and next to that is a double right arrow, and they do the reverse of the left arrow and the left double arrow. They will read one word and one paragraph forward, respectively. They'll skip to the next word or the next paragraph. And then you go a little ways, probably about an inch or so, and you get to the right end of this row, and you have a column of two buttons. The top one is the menu button. It has a series of horizontal lines. There are five of them. And this is the menu button. Below that is a circle with a question mark in it, a print question mark, and that's a help button. Moving to the front edge, the part that's closest to you, on the left you have the power button. To the right of that, there's a volume control rocker switch. Push the left end, you decrease the volume, push the right end of it, and you increase. To the right of that, we have a row of four programmable buttons. And these are defaulted to some very handy settings, but the user can program these, change them if you want to. To the right of that, we have another rocker switch, which is the reading speed, and you can adjust that up or down. And to the right of that is a headphone jack. So it's a fairly simple device. And you do have a choice of voices, and you have a choice of languages. Right now I've got it set to Tom. Okay, I need to save this document, so I'm going to push the menu. File, submenu. And anytime it says submenu or you have to make a selection, that's when you push the selector button, which is the filled-in circle near the up and down arrow keys. So I'm going to push selector. New document. I'm going to down arrow. Open document. Open from media. Play audio. Public domain books. Close document. Save. Save as. Save to media. Save to media is what I want. So I'm going to push the selector. Record file name. Press the scan record key and start recording after the beep or press the left arrow to cancel. Now I have to save my file name. So I'm going to push the scan key, which is the hollowed out circle. And I'm going to record my book title. Mere Churchianity. Mere Churchianity. Press the selector key to accept recording, or press the red scan record key to try again. Saving the document, please wait. Saving to USB complete. Okay, and this puts you out of the menus. So in order to get back in to close out the document, which I don't need to be on the hard drive anymore, I'm going to get back into the menus. File, submenu. And push selector. New document. Open document. Open from media. Play audio. Public domain books. Close document. And I'm going to close without saving. Push selector. Save changes to untitled 5. Yes. Button. I'm going to arrow down to no. No. Button. And push selector. Leaving menus. Document closed. Single page automatic. It puts you back in single page automatic. There are different reading modes. 
But before I mention that, I need to tell you there is definitely a hard drive. I am not quite sure of the size. I think it's 150 or 160 gig. So you can save your stuff to hard drive if you like. I opted not to do that. And another thing is that the recording will last five seconds and then it will stop. So if what you have to say lasts five seconds or less, then you're in good shape. What this does is it has an internal file numbering system. And you get two files. One of them is the book file, and the other is a recording. They both have the same file name, but they have different file extensions. The recording has the same file name, but it has a WAV, W-A-V file extension. And then the other file, you can either save the file as a text or as an RTF file. You can also save to the various OpenBook file extensions. You have choices of these four different formats. Let's go through the menus briefly and I will show you what the choices are here. I'm going to push menu. File, submenu. And you have heard the choices for the file, but let's go through them again. I'm going to push selector. New document. That's if you want to open a new document. When I turn the thing on, it defaults to a new document, and when I put something on the scan surface, it defaults to a new document. And down arrow. Open document. Open from media. Play audio. Public domain books. There are public domain books here that are already included on the hard drive, and these are books that are classics that you can get from Project Gutenberg and other sources, so you can read them through this device. Close document unavailable. We can't close the document because I don't have anything opened. Save. And you want to save something and just use all the default settings, that's fine. You can do that. Save as. Save as if you want to save a document and choose how to save it and where to put it. Save to media. Save to media does exactly what it did. It saves to the media device that you have attached through the USB port. Delete a document. You can delete a document. New document. And we're down to new document. Now I'm going to push left arrow to get out. File submenu. We're in the file submenu and let's go down. Go to submenu. Selector button. Top of document. Top of document. Bottom of document, next page, previous page, next paragraph, previous paragraph, next sentence, previous sentence, top of document. We're at top of document, so I'm going to get out. Go to, submenu. And down arrow. Voice settings, submenu. And let's get into this. Reading voice, submenu. You can choose the reading or the scanning voice. I have both of them set to Tom, but let's go into the reading voice just to show you what the choices are here. Voice rate. Oh, yes. Voice rate. Voice selection. And voice selection are the choices. Voice language. Voice language is also an option. Voice rate. Voice selection. Let's do voice selection. Push selector. Tom, United States. Karen, Australia. Lee, Australia. Daniel, United Kingdom. Emily, United Kingdom. Serena, United Kingdom. Sangeetha, India. Bottom of list. Sangeetha, India. Let's go back up. Karen Australia. 
Tom, United States. Jill, United States. Jennifer, United States. Samantha, United States. Top of list. Okay, Samantha, I'm go. United States. I'm going to not change anything. So I'm going to get out. Voice selection. And then I'm going to get out of the voice choices. Reading voice submenu. Voice settings submenu. Okay, down arrow. Scanning settings submenu. And push selector. Scanning order submenu. Scanning order. Divide columns checked. Yes, I always divide columns because sometimes I do read things that have two columns and I do split pages because I can read two pages at a time if the book is the right size, which is 9 by 12 or less. Ignore columns not checked. Divide columns checked. Let's get out of this because I like what we've got. Scanning order. Submenu. And below that. Scanning mode. Submenu. Scanning mode. And... I'm going to push selector. Multi-page automatic checked. Multi-page automatic is my choice because that allows me to get the page turned and aligned and I either move my hands completely away or I hold the edge of the book because sometimes I have a hard time keeping the books open. And this generally works if you're careful not to put your fingers on the top surface that the camera's trying to read. Scan and read not checked. Scan and background not checked. Scan and replace not checked. Single page automatic not checked. That's the default when you turn the device on. That means if you just want to read one page, it'll read it. And then if you read a second page, it will not append it to the end of the first page. It will just say, here's a new thing to read. It's great for things like reading mail. And if you want to read something really quick that you don't want to keep, and you can just read it and then close the document. So I'm not changing anything here, so I'm going to back out. Scanning mode, submenu. Scanning order, submenu. Let's back out. Scanning settings, submenu. And down arrow. Visual settings, submenu. This I haven't played with, and I've generally just left everything alone, but let's show you what we have here. Push selector. Text font, submenu. Text size, submenu. This is, if you want to use a monitor, you can plug in a VGA monitor. There's a port for it on the back. So you can use this not only as a scanner, but you can also use it to enlarge the text of what you're reading. And you can read a book that way. Text color. Text color. Spotlight color. Spacing. Submenu. Spotlighting, I think, is what is currently being scanned or if you want to highlight something. I haven't worked with this, as I said, I haven't had a need to. Text font, submenu, spacing, submenu. Spacing, I haven't looked at spacing, so let's look at that. One checked, two not checked, three not checked, four not checked, five not checked, six not checked, one checked. Okay, you can expand the spacing if you want. Let's back out with the left arrow. Spacing, submenu. And let's back out of this. Visual settings, submenu. Down arrow. Advanced, submenu. Advanced. This is where I went to change a few things when I first got the scanner. And I'm going to push selector. Key assignments, submenu. Key assignments. This is where you can change the key defaults for the four function keys that I mentioned. Key announcements, submenu. Save to USB format, submenu. And... 
This is where you choose what type of format you want to save. Let's press selector for this. RDF checked. TXT not checked. Art not checked. Uh, so there is Arc and Stone and OBX not checked. Open book formats also. RDF checked. I have RTF checked, so that's what I save to all the time. And let's left arrow. Save to USB format. Submenu. Down arrow. Contracted Braille unavailable. If I had a Braille display plugged into this and I wanted to read the results in contracted Braille, I could do that. Restore factory settings. This is reset the defaults to the way it was when you got the device. Key assignments. Submenu. And we're back to key assignments. Back out. Advanced. Submenu. And what's below advanced? Update Sarah. This is if you want to update Sarah. And I haven't had a need to do this since there are no updates yet. It's a very new device. Down arrow. Settings wizard. Settings wizard. This is if you want to go through and set a lot of stuff, but you don't want to go through the menus. About Sarah. Submenu. And this is the About Sarah. So let's push selector. Help. We have help. Version information. And version information. Help gives you the user's guide. Copyright information. And we have version copyright here, so I'm going to... Help. Version information. At least show you the version. About Sarah. Sarah DM version 10.0.1030. OK button. OK, we're going to push the OK button. And I'm going to get out of this. Version information. And let's just show you the copyright, because I believe it uses OmniPage for the scanning engine, although it might use different ones. OpenBook uses at least three or four of them, and then it kind of compares the results and gets the best that it can out of all of them. Copyright information. Okay, so let's hear the copyright information. About Sarah, copyright 2010, by Freedom Scientific BLV Group, LLC. Sarah contains licensed technology. Omnipage Recognition Technology and Real Speak TM Speech Synthesis by Nuance Incorporated. OK, button. OK, let's back out of this. Copyright information. And that is the end Help. of this. About Sarah. Submenu. File. Submenu. We're back to file. So I'm going to push the menu key to get out of the menus. Leaving menus. Let's show you what happens. When I start to scan a book, this is a science fiction novel. It's a pocket book, so it's very small. Before I do that, though, what I want to do is tell you about what you get in the box. You get the Sarah device. You get the camera, which is detached from the Sarah. The camera is attached to the page guide. And you get a Braille quick start guide, which has a quick start step-by-step -step how to set up the Sarah. Essentially, you just take it out of the box, plug it in, and attach the page guide. And you also get a set of templates. And these are to be used in training sessions where, say, you're working with somebody who is a beginner with this. There are certain buttons you don't want them to push. So you can put these plates over the keyboard, and it will block certain keys out so that you can prevent people from pushing buttons that they shouldn't be. And 
you also get a print user's guide. And there is a user's guide for the SARA. It's available online on the Freedom Scientific site. And I believe it's in a PDF file. I remember downloading that and converting it to text. It's quite short, but it's a good one. And you get a set of headphones. And they're pretty good headphones, actually. I've been using them for other things other than the Sarah, because they'll work just fine in an MP3 player. You get a warranty card, which you have to fill in and send back. You get a test page that you can put on top of the device to test to make sure the thing works. You also get a Braille copy of that. That's essentially what it is. And I need to describe the camera. The camera looks down on the document and you have to attach the page guide in order to have access to the camera. The page guide fits along the back of the Sara. There are slots that it slides into and above the slots there are two holes and there are two screws that fit into these holes and they have to be precisely in there and the screws are attached directly to the page guide itself and they don't come out. So you put the screws in the holes and you slide this thing into the slots in the back of the device and then you screw them in, not real, real, real tight, but tight enough that they're going to stay in place because this is the thing that you're going to line up your book or your document with to get it straight. The camera folds down. Let me fold it down here so I can tell you about it. Folds down against this post that comes up from the page guide, from behind the page guide. And the camera is facing down. And I'm going to swing it up. It swings towards you and then it snaps into place. On the right side of the camera there is a little button, a release button. It's not on the top on the right, it's on the right side facing the right side of the room that you're in. And you push this button, and that releases the camera to come back down. So I'm going to put it back up. And then I'm going to tell you about the four default function keys. They're in two pairs, and they're right next to the volume key on the front edge. The left one toggles the light from the camera, and when I push it, it says... Camera light enabled. Camera light enabled. I'm going to push it again. Camera light disabled. Disabled. The only time you need to enable the light is when you're in a dark room. I find that when I have the blinds closed in this room, then the room is dark and the camera can't see what I'm reading. Right now I have the blinds open. We have plenty of light in here and the camera is able to work with the light coming in through the window. To the right of this is another button. No pages. And this particular button erases the current page. To the right of it is the reading mode. And I'm going to toggle. Scan and read. Scan and read. This means that every time you want to read, you have to push the scan button first. And that means it's an extra step if you're just reading a book and turning pages it won't start scanning until you physically push the scan button. Scan in the background. Scan in the background. That's if you're reading something 
and you're scanning something else or you're reading part of the book and you're scanning ahead, then this is what you would choose. Scan and replace. Scan and replace means if you read something, you want to replace page 24, for example, you can do that with this. Single page automatic. Place a page under the camera. Single page automatic is the default, and as I said, it's kind of like if you have a page you want to read, you don't want to save anything, you're not reading a book, then this is the one you'd push. This next one... Multi-page automatic. Scanning has been stopped. Multi-page automatic. This is my choice because I can just turn pages and as soon as my fingers stop moving, the camera starts scanning. But in order to get this started, you do have to push the scan key to initiate the process. To the right of this button is another button. Ignore columns. Ignore columns or divide columns. Divide columns. Now I'm going to take this pocketbook. I'm going to start place a page under the camera. I'm going to start scanning. I'm going to open this book and put it here and I have to hold the edge because it's not going to scan otherwise. When you hear the shutter it means it is done with the page. Okay, I'm going to push the scan button. Scanning has been stopped. Okay, I'm going to turn the page. W. Owen peered through the open door for some glimpse of what lay beyond it, the inner working of the craft. Like it see little more than the shadowy darkness, but something in that darkness drew him toward it. He reached up, grabbed the lever, and hauled himself into the craft. While outside, the rancher and his sons waited for him at a safe distance. When he reappeared before the... The shutter means later, that, that it's and that they saw it done scanning, I can turn another page. ...in wonder of what he'd seen inside. See, a bullet S3NJ, bullet, RVV carrot, 69, Leslie Baham, Odell Book, page 4, Odell Book, published D.I. Daily Publishing, Isidore House, Incorporated, 1540 Brotree, New York, New York. I'm going to stop... The reading. There. Now you'll get a, more of a feel for how fast this is. Turning the page. Okay. Turning the page. I have to hold this open because otherwise it's going to flop closed. And keep in mind that this was reading both the left and the right hand pages. Okay, I've taken the book away. Place a page under the camera. Now, what I'm scanning here is a novelization of Taken, the miniseries that was on TV some time ago. And I've always wanted to read this book because there are parts of that miniseries I couldn't figure out. Spielberg created this kind of as a follow-up of Close Encounters, I think is how it happened. That's the Sarah Camera Edition. I hope you have found this to be of interest. And if you have any questions, 
you can contact me at Mary Emerson at sbcglobal.net. That's M-A-R-Y-E-M-E-R-S-O-N at sbcglobal.net. And if you want specific device information, you can go to the Freedom Scientific website, freedomscientific.com. Thank you, and bye for this time. Tech Update, a technology news segment heard on ACB Radio's main menu and Accessible World's Tech Talk. Hello, everyone. This is Chase Crispin with the Tech Update for the week of January 31st, 2011. I apologize for not being able to post last week's Tech Update on my website, which is at blindmobiletech.com. I have invented a new way of doing Tech Update. So it will be much easier to post tech updates on my site now. This week, ATIA 2011 is over, so I have a few things to mention from ATIA that I didn't get to mention last week. First, and I hope I'm pronouncing this company's name right, Eschenbach has a brand new video magnifier available that was shown off at ATIA this past week. What sets this one apart from a lot of the others is that it is HD, which is high definition. This means that the picture will be much clearer. Blind Bargains did an audio interview about this HD magnifier. So to listen to that interview and learn more about this, you can visit blindbargains.com. That's B-L-I-N-D-B-A-R-G-A-I-N-S dot com. By the time you hear this, Verizon Wireless customers will be able to pre-order the iPhone 4. This starts on February 3rd at 3 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's not related to ATIA any anyway, it's just something that I wanted to kind of put in here. So if you're a uh, Verizon customer, you can now get an iPhone 4. You can pre-order it starting at 3 a.m. 3rd of February. GW Micro is getting ready to release a new version of their popular screen reader, Window Eyes. This new version will be version 7.5. We don't know a lot of the features that this new version of Window Eyes will contain, but GW Micro has sent out a few teaser emails. From these, we know that the most major thing will be a complete redesign of the user interface so that it will be easier to navigate and to understand. The first beta of Window Eyes 7.5 has not yet been posted. When it is posted, I will talk about it more extensively on Tech Update. This will be a full SMA or paid upgrade. To learn more, visit gwmicro.com. The Duxbury Braille translation software is now up to version 11.1. While that doesn't sound like a big, huge upgrade, it certainly is. The new version contains many new enhancements, including the ability to work with .docx files. AI Squared, makers of the very popular ZoomText magnification software, are announcing a new magnifying slash OCR iPhone app called Zoom Reader. I will talk about this more in the coming weeks when we know more about it. Humanware is about to release Keysoft version 9.1, the next upgrade to the Braille Note Apex. This is an upgrade that is not yet released, but will be released sometime during the month. 
This version will include better handling of tables, support for WPA2 wireless networks, the ability to play books from the National Library Service, and more. To learn more, you can check out the presentation on this upgrade at accessibleworld.org or you can get more information on humanware.com. If you are an ICON or a Braille Plus user, there is now a new public beta available with a small fix for some podcasts that wouldn't play. If you have a current SMA, you can download this update by pressing 6-6 from the Applications menu. Finally, there is a new build of JAWS 12 out. This is build 525. This release contains a few bug fixes for Internet Explorer and Firefox. If you are a JAWS 12 user, you will be automatically notified about this update, and you will be able to click Yes to install it. To learn more, visit freedomscientific.com, F-R-E-E-D-O-M-S-C-I-E-N-T-I-F-I-C.com. This will conclude the tech update for Main Menu and Tech Talk for the week of January 31st, 2011. I'm Chase Crispin. Thank you for listening to this week's Tech Update. If you have any comments or anything you would like to see added to next week's Tech Update, please call the Tech Update comment line at 206-337-4383 and be sure to listen to next week's Main Menu and Tech Talk. Welcome to another BlindBargains.com exclusive audio podcast brought to you by the AT Guys, your assistive technology experts. Visit ATGuys.com today for all your technology needs. Now, here's J.J. Meadow. We're here with Tony Shank, president of Enabling Technologies, and we have a brand new Braille embosser right in front of us. Tony, welcome back to Blind Bargains. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, this is the Phoenix. Why don't we go ahead and uh, tell us a little bit about this? Well, the Phoenix is really our ninth generation of Braille embosser. We've been in business, as of this week, actually, 40 years. And wow. the Phoenix is uh, the world's first multifunction embosser. What do you mean by that? Well, it combines within uh, both a high-quality Braille embossing head and a very high-resolution tactile graphic embossing head. Typically, with embosser graphics, you usually had to compromise one of those two things, either the quality of your Braille to get a high-resolution graphic or go with uh, uh, low Braille dots to get that done, or um, if you're using... You know, a typical embossed dot, it will uh, have a higher res, um, or a lower resolution, I should say, on the graphics that you can produce. Our, right. our embossers have done graphics since the mid-80s, actually, almost all of them. Right. Do. So this allows you to produce good quality, readable Braille, and also have high-density charts and graphs and that sort of thing, all from one machine. All right. Let's, uh, maybe before we do an example, kind of describe how this uh, sits here and the um uh, how like how what would be the uh, dimensions of this? And well, the machine is, is roughly about 24 pounds, a little lighter. Okay. Uh, and unlike our other embossers, it's actually rear-fed, so the Braille and graphics come out the right. front of the machine. It is tractor-fed. Yes, it's a tractor-fed device. It, it embosses at about 50 to 60 characters per second. It is single-sided. Okay. And it's... Uh, 
unlike our other machines, controlled by a simple control panel. There's, the some, real power. there's some buttons here on the front. Uh, uh, yes, one of them is the on-off line button. The uh -huh. other is sets top of form, and the other is the form feed. Okay. Very simple controls. The bulk of the controls done from the uh, Firebird software suite that comes with the machine. Okay. It's a full suite of tools that allows you not only to configure what the keypad used to do on our other machines, right. characters per line, lines per page, that sort of thing, but it also comes with a uh, uh, Firebird transcriber, which is a uh, full-featured Braille translator, Right. and the Firebird graphics editor, which will let you take JPEGs or BMPs and uh, with a few keystrokes, translate them into a printable tactile graphic. Sure. What's, what is the, the engine powering the translator? Actually, it's our own proprietary okay. translator. It's no okay. one else's. We created our own okay. uh, with the software suite. And oh, it's they, a they, can still use it. they can still use it, still use it with Duxbury. Or oh, absolutely. Things. It is fully compatible with right. uh, Duxbury and the other uh, yeah. um, brands Braille's on the market. Thousand, yeah. uh, but this particular um, uh, translator, though, has a unique feature. It allows you to put the print on the left side and the translated graph or Braille on the right. You can see the two simultaneously. Oh, okay. And then you can just integrate them into the graphics editor if you're going to use the output to, say, label something. You know, you can translate your labels. Okay. Very unique design. Very sleek design. We've tried to, to put 90-degree bins in the paper path, both coming in and out, to help right. reduce the noise. Now, this particular unit is our first prototype. So. Sure. USB... Is that serial port yep, still? it has a serial, a, a USB, port. and an Ethernet port. Ethernet. Yeah, the serial port is there because a lot of note-takers still offer oh, right. serial communication. Okay. Uh, that's the only reason we did that. Serials are not really that sure. useful. But you do have uh, direct Ethernet capability if you want, along with USB. That is correct. Uh -huh. Okay. Yeah, let's, let's, let's see this thing go. Certainly. I assume this is a test page or test yes, mode. Yes, this is the high-resolution graphics embossing. So that's going to go... How long would it take for a page of this a high This will take a while. It depends on the density of the graphic. But uh, this does take a couple of minutes to print out. But that's going, uh, I believe, I was told, what, 25 dots per inch? Somewhere yes, the, the resolution is 25 dots per inch. Good. And we have a, a full page just to show it off of pie charts, line charts, graphs. Um, sure, sure. So this is a prototype model. Uh, do you have a, a price yet or a date this might be shipping? Or? Yep. Uh, $4,995 is the suggested retail price. We're looking to do, start shipping in the spring. Okay. So Taking probably around April or May. Taking pre-orders now? Or? Yes. Um, also, while we're waiting for this to uh, print, I, uh, with the latest release of uh, Duxbury 11.1, that means the, uh, the Transcend SE, which we talked about last year. Uh, here that would now be um, fully usable. Yes, we're quite excited about that. We have been shipping since June of last year, but it was a beta version. Right. So we're quite happy to have the full release of 11.1 um, now. And the Transcend SE is a very easy-to-use print and braille solution. Many of our customers who already own our embossers uh, simply need to add the Transcend software module and upgrade to 11.1 to add... Right. Well, and, and they also need an Epson um, ink printer, but that would let you add print or large print and braille capability. Right. We're still going here with this. Uh, yeah, this is a very very high res uh, printer or image here. So we go up to eleven and a half, basically by eleven. 
or yeah, that's correct. 11 by 11 and a half is the larger fed. size. You can use smaller size paper sure. if you want. Just tractor fed, or can you do single sheets, or no? This one's just tractor drive. Right. We'll probably offer a model with our what single the, sheet tractor on it, but um, right. Oh, so you made a Braille printer in 1971. That's when we originated, yes. We actually made the very first commercially available uh, Braille embosser on the market. Wow. And in 1971, the product we produced was called the BD3. It was a three-character per second embosser. <laughs> but, you know, it ultimately led to our LED 120, which was one of our most popular machines. We sold hundreds of those. At How fast was that? 120, 120 characters character. per second. Yeah, back, when, when did that come out? That was in the early 70s. Right. And so for a production house, that kind of like how the printing press changed print. Exactly, and it also was a fully functional terminal device, so it could be used as a terminal on a mainframe computer. A lot of programmers used the LED 120s. Right. They were connected up in uh, to wire services, you know, at radio stations and such to print the news. So before that, you would have what the braille plates or. Well, if you want to do a full page, if you actually, want to braille books. plates were handmade prior to that. Another product we produced in the late 70s in conjunction with the Library of Congress was our plate embossing device. Right. And that's really when high volume production came into the 20th century. You know, gotcha. You had computer based translation, and it actually was Duxbury that ran on many computers. And uh, coupled with our LED 120, you could print out uh, paper proof copies. And okay. then once the corrections were made, you would go to plate on our PED 30 device. Sure. And you wow. could produce at that point as many copies as you wanted. Wow. Uh, so what happened? The picture's done? Or? Picture is done. Uh, How do see. I get the, uh, do you have to feed out the rest of the page? Or? Yeah, I'll feed the rest out here. All comes up. Oh, down there. Comes out the front, uh, okay. which is unlike a lot of our machines. Most of them are front feet coming out the The rear. dots on a Braille uh, graphic, yeah, are definitely going to be a lot tinier, but you fit 25 dots per inch, and you still can have Braille along with it. Yes. The Braille there is not going to look as crisp as a, you know, the Braille. Right. It will be smaller when you're in that higher resolution mode. Yeah, like you said, there's that trade-off, but yep. you can do both. The advantage here that? is that the literary materials in your documents will be high quality, our Romeo grade dot, actually. It's the same size dot as our Romeo brailers make, which is larger than most Interpoint dots. Right, with the braille would be a lot easier uh, to read. We have a, uh, this is like a, uh, a line graph and a whole bunch of other yep. graphical things here. There's a pie chart like you were talking about, mm -hmm. and the, the lines are on all different angles. With a higher resolution, you could get smoother circular can I, embossing. Can a totally blind person successfully print out graphics unassisted? Yes, you could uh, with our, our software. It is um, a matter of mastering what the filters in it can do, but yes. Okay. Uh, it would be a little difficult to change and edit some right. of the Braille oh, labeling because there's no way to really know okay. for placement. But, but it is possible. But it is possible. Here's your text. Here's the text. There's your much, yeah, you're definitely your typical bro. You have you're the low-res graphics, which is basically... The same as we can do on a row. Yeah, when you just compress, you compress the dot pitch between the... Exactly. It's about 16 dots per inch. Right. That's, yeah, we've been seeing in Braille printers for... For decades, really. Yeah, I mean, any, this one, any Braille printer can do that. And yeah, our first Romeos that we produced in the mid-80s, back in 1985, actually, could do this same level of graphics, so... Wow. 
So there you go. Is that, what does that say on the title? It says enabling? Or? Uh, well, that's actually a scroll of our Phoenix logo. Oh, it's a okay. Script. Got Print you. relief of, uh, of the name Phoenix. Introducing Phoenix. I'm reading one-handed. The world's, the world's first, like you said, the world's first multifunction Braille and tactile graphics you know, system. It's a lot harder to read with one hand when you're trying to hold a recorder. Yes. So there you go. It's the Multi-talented you are. It's the, the, the Phoenix from enabling technology. If people want to get more information, uh, how can they do that? Well, you could call us on our toll-free 800 number at 800-777-3687 mm-hmm. or visit us on the web at www.brailler.com. All right, Tony, thank you so much once again. Thanks again. This has been another exclusive audio podcast from Blind Bargains. Visit blindbargains.com for the latest technology deals, news, and interviews. So long. That concludes this edition of Main Menu. We trust you've enjoyed the program. On behalf of the entire Main Menu team, I'm Jamie Pauls wishing you and yours a great week.